Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Indy Sports Now Network. He's coming quickly. I'm Jared Prugar, live from the Gaul Arena at St. Francis University here in central Pennsylvania. Kevin, it is the best week of the year outside of Bull Week, outside of the spring game, outside of the first game, and outside of really almost every week, to be perfectly honest with you. But there's something to be played for. Penn State has an opportunity to get to a New York Six Bull game. They are number 11 in the country with a lot of things to shake out in front of them over the next few weeks. But more than that, they are playing at Ford Field. Um, Pitt fans should probably be very familiar with the Quick Lane Bowl that is hosted there uh, yearly. But also, they're playing Michigan State. And when they play Michigan State, they play for the most incredible trophy um, ever assembled, the Land Grant Trophy. Kevin, first and foremost, what are your thoughts on said trophy? Uh, first and foremost, I need to answer James Franklin's questions. Uh, green beans, dinner rolls, and definitely a plate full of leftovers. Uh, definitely after the Cowboy game nap and the days following. Uh, my thoughts on the James on the uh, Land Grant Trophy are: it's a beautiful masterpiece. Uh, I love playing for it every year. Although going forward, it will not be played for every year because Penn State's hashtag unrivaled. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, it'll be sad to see the trophy game go away. And I think that is that is going to be a bigger victim of college football conference realignment. I believe uh, the Oregon, Oregon State will no longer be played every year. Um, so there there are some, quote unquote, cap casualties uh, with conference realignment. And I think that this is the last year in the normal rotation that the land grant trophy will be played for. Yeah, and it's unfortunate uh, that that is the case. I mean, that's – and that's the, the biggest thing with all of the um, – with all the re- realignment and the, the, the different conferences now, it is unfortunate that these schools have to forego these these rivalry games. Yeah, we joke and put a lot in jest about the Land Grant Trophy, but it is, it is really cool to have something to play for. Uh, so that is in, in itself unique. Um, but that, that's just kind of the victim of, of realignment. And it's unfortunate for sure that they don't get to play this game every year. Um, but at the same time, Kevin, like you said, Penn State is truly unrivaled and they don't have a natural rival year to year. Now, Penn State has used that moniker quite some time. Um, so it fits right into their branding, right into their marketing, which makes sense. Um, but it is kind of interesting to see that they really don't have a rivalry. They don't really have that that one team. You know, Michigan has Ohio State and Michigan State. Ohio State has Michigan. That game is the game. And that is the game of the week, in my opinion. Unfortunately for Penn State, they play on Friday. That game is always at noon on Saturday. And that game is going to be absolutely nuts. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here um, in the next segment or in the in the following segments. But the biggest thing is is they don't – and Penn State doesn't have that that natural rivalry. Rutgers is not a rivalry. Maryland is not a rivalry. Those would probably be – um, geographically, what would make sense as a rival? Pitt, if they were in the Big Ten, I think you could make a case for that. Um, but that's been pretty one-sided as well. So you've got a give and take here in, in Penn State and in, in Michigan State are, are neck and neck. They're, one has 18 wins, the other has 18 wins, and there was one tie. Um, but, but in recent memory and, and in recent years, especially Penn State has got the upper hand on the Spartans. Yeah, and 
you you kind of alluded to what I was talking about earlier. Penn State does have natural rivalries, and people have made a big deal of conference realignment getting away from those rivalries. But Pitt, Penn State doesn't play Pitt every year anymore. They don't play West Virginia anymore. So uh, it's not as bad of a thing for conference realignment, just to kind of quell that, because I know that is a hot topic, especially heading into rivalry week. Uh, the last few weeks of the season, last week, and then now this week. But yeah, Penn State, Michigan State, remarkably even. Penn State's had the upper hand the last few years. Uh, Michigan State did have a little pop there when they won 10, 10 wins and gave Mel Tucker uh, the 10 by 10 contract <laughs> that uh, is famously no longer valid. Um, so RIP that contract. But yes, what yeah. will the game look like on Saturday? I think Penn State wins the last the last normal matchup, and they'll take that 1918-1 advantage um, into the next meeting. Be it probably I'm a guess 2025, maybe 2026. I don't remember the schedule off the top of my head, but seems like Penn State's going to be able to take that thing home to Lash Building and keep it there for a couple of years. Yeah, they played every year since 2014. Um, since the last time the Big Ten was was messed with as far as alignment is concerned, um, and Penn State has. You know, I uh, held the upper hand the last few years, three out of the last four they've won. You know, you mentioned that that game that uh, Mel Tucker had uh, against them where Penn State just abandoned whatever running, whatever game plan they wanted to do. They threw the ball against a great or, – um, or I'm sorry, they were, I think they, they continued to run the ball against a bad secondary or, or, or a bad uh, run game, run defense. But the biggest thing is these teams are, have typically been pretty, pretty equal – um, I don't think that's going to be the case on Saturday, and we're going to get into that um, a little bit into the second segment. But the big thing for Penn State and, and for Michigan State is you—they've got to adjust now to these to this realignment, and and it's tough. You know, you you look at the way that, that things are going and things are trending. Realignment is far from over. There's going to be a lot more situations, and maybe you develop a new rivalry. You know, maybe it's. You, you develop something different with, with the, one of the new teams where you're playing them every year, you know, and I think that matters. That should be something that, that would be impressive and, and something that could be fun for, for all the fan bases because these fan bases really don't have a lot of history together, like Penn State USC, Penn State UCLA, Penn State Oregon, you know, play for a, a golden duck or a, or a duck lion. I don't, I don't know, but – or a Trojan duck. Is that a, is that a liker? Is that similar yeah. to a liger from Napoleon Dynamite? A luck. A luck. It would be a luck. A lion and a luck. Or a lick. Oh, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> Let's not play for a lick. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe a, a duon or something. I don't I don't quite know. Um, or, or whatever. But it, the biggest thing for Penn – or a Bruin or, a, or something like that. But, but that's the thing. You know, you don't really have that now. And that's – you know, you see some of those rivalries go away and some of those matchups go away that, that have been fun. You know, I remember going to a game when I was in college at Beaver Stadium, Penn State, Michigan State, last game of the year, and the wind was swirling, it was snowing, it was absolutely miserable. But you always knew that they were going to play that last week of the season. And I think that's really um, – and that's what how it should be. But, again, we don't get to make those decisions, and that's kind of the way that it is uh, for the time being. Yeah, and with the way big the Big Ten schedule is laid out, it's only laid out for the first three years, I believe. So if the Big Ten wants to make a change after the 2026 football season or mid between the 2025, 2026, whenever they release the 2027 and beyond schedule, there there is an opportunity to to change how it's going because there's going to be a three-year trial period. 
maybe the Big Ten adds two more teams to get to 20, and then they have to redo this whole thing again. So it's not set in stone, but it's it's definitely there's opportunity there, and we'll we'll see where our college football goes from there. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I don't like I said. I don't think a realignment is done. I'm interested to see what the move is with the ACC and the Big 12. The Big 12, I think, could afford to add some teams at the ACC folds, and that right there, you know, naturally, I'm thinking Pitt. I'm thinking maybe not necessarily a Big 10 team, but they could go to the Big 12. Um, personally and selfishly, for basketball reasons, you would hope that the Big 10 can poach some of the big time ACC schools like a Duke, like a Carolina. That would only benefit basketball in this area if the uh, big 10 if the big 10 poaches clemson then penn state could play for the liger trophy there you go let's see we'll fully perfect. bring that back yeah and we can watch dabo swinney uh that what would you do in that situation clemson and um clemson and penn state i went to two clemson football games and i stood for virtually every penn state game as i was a student so i'll, I'll let that i'll let that be my answer Oh, and the Kevin Quigley Cup, you know that, that, that Kevin would have. Oh, yeah. I will build a trophy that looks better than a land grant trophy. How about that? The Kevin Quigley Cup. I'll get a trophy named after me as soon as this podcast blows up. Penn State, Clemson. You, there you have it. Gene Strength and Devo Swinney. The Kevin Quigley Cup for, yeah. for all the marbles if Penn State and Clemson are able to figure something out annually. It would be fun to see them play at, Penn, at, at Beaver Stadium in November. Um, that would be hilarious. I think that would be great. Um, and that's why this game is essentially at, at Ford Field. Nobody wants to play outside in November in the Big Ten. Nobody wants to play a night game in November at, outside in the Big Ten. Um, that's why Penn State doesn't have any primetime games after a certain point. Um, that's why most Big Ten games right now are during the day. Uh, and that's just kind of the way that it is geographically and, and naturally. I mean, getting out, being outside Saturday against um, Rutgers – it was cold. It was frigid. It was a nice – it was a beautiful day for football, but it was cold. It was windy. It was not great for those that are that are sitting there um, watching the game. But that's why they're playing at Ford Field. It should be a, a, it should be a fun matchup. We're going to preview that matchup when we come back for the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast after this break on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Indy Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, this is a game that Penn State, you know, in, in theory doesn't have to win, um, but they need to win it. It, it. This is as must win as possible. All joking about the Land Grant Trophy and its beauty aside, um, this is a game where they have to win. They have to beat Michigan State to get to a Premier Bowl game. If they lose this game, I would expect them to fall to the Citrus Bowl, which is okay. But when you have your eyes set and you've been in line for a New Year's Six game, that's a little bit of a letdown. Um, I've seen, and, and in my projections, I like Penn State in the in the Peach Bowl. Um, from a selfish standpoint, Penn State in the Peach Bowl would be great. That's the one bowl game they have not played in uh, as far as the New Year's Six. That's the one bowl game they haven't won as far as the New Year's Six. If they were to win that game, they would be the first team in college football history to win all six New Year's Six games, which is an impressive feat. But it also goes to show you the continued success of Penn State. And I've also seen the Fiesta Bowl, which is not a bad trip. But at the same time, you know, the Peach Bowl geographically is much, much better. And it looks like they would probably get uh, probably a Tulane or a team like that. Um, though I've seen Alabama. Um, but it wouldn't be a shock to see uh, an at-large group of five team uh, or the highest group of five team playing that game as well. 
and you're definitely not biased towards the Peach Bowl because you just released a piece today interviewing the president of the Peach Bowl. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. That I, not, I did not not, a, not not biased at all. The Peach Bowl would be a great destination. And I did hear some chatterings. I was listening to Pat McAfee show, AQ Shipley, notable Penn State alum. And the topic of conversation today was, do New Year's Six Bowls matter? And they were all like, mm, no, they don't. But I'm here to break, I'm here to break the news. New Year's Six Bowls still matter. With the 14 playoff, New Year's Six Bowls still matter. It's still an impressive feat. And does it suck going 10 and 2 every year and ending up in a New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, heck yeah, it does. But let's look at when Michigan State made the playoff or made this. I think when they won 10 wins, when they won 10 games, they made it to the playoff, I believe, that year. No, they made it earlier, but then they made it to a New Year's Six Bowl that year. They haven't gone back. Right. They're they're gonna miss a bowl this year. Would you rather be in a New Year's Six Bowl every single year with a chance to win it every single year? Or would you like to make it one year to a New Year's Six Bowl and then not make a bowl the next year or the next two years? So we've had that grass is greener topic today. And I know, but only because I listened to it today on the Pat McAfee show that it kind of it kind of pissed me off. New Year's Six Bowls still matter. Penn State, you win this game. You're favored by 20 and a half points. You win this game. You're back in a New Year's Six Bowl. And it'll be, what, their third straight New Year's Six Bowl? Yes. No. Uh, 2020. 2020. No, um, no. 2021 happened. Um, and 2020. Where was 2021? Last year was the Rose Bowl. Last year was the Rose Bowl. Was that the Bowl? Yes, it was the Outback Bowl. Oh, the Outback Bowl. Yeah, that's right. I got yeah. married on the Outback Bowl game. That's why I don't remember it. Yeah, that's okay. Fair. Second um, straight, second straight New Year's Six game. Right, and fifth and it's still still under Franklin. Fifth in five years. And yeah, and not miss the bowl except for twenty twenty, which let's let's not count that. Yeah, and that's an anomaly. But like, when you look at it in that way, a fifth for five, the fifth time in ten years of James Franklin, he's going to New Year's Six game five out of half the time. That is impressive, given what he inherited. You know, we tend to forget what he, what mess he inherited roster-wise and sanction-wise. So, you know, fortunately, they were able to go to different bowl games there. Obviously, Hackenberg got to play in the Pinstripe Bowl um, and the Tax Slayer Bowl, which was my first game in 2016, uh, the first game I covered. Uh, they played Georgia, and it was the birth of Chase McSorley as far as a Penn State quarterback goes. But they've been able to play in the Peach Bowl – or, I'm sorry, they've been able to play in the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the, um, the Rose Bowl twice, you know – that that in itself is, is impressive. Plus, you had the bull game in, and this is no listen. We're not saying kudos, James Franklin. I mean, we are to an extent, but we have to take things in it with a grain of salt. We have to kind of look at the whole picture here. The the, the overall body of work is good. Um, yeah, it's frustrating because you lose the same two teams every year now. Um, and and if if ten and two is your ceiling, that's a really great spot to be. Or I'm sorry, your floor. It, now you got to get to that twelve and zero ceiling or that eleven and one ceiling. Um, and put your name out, out there for the rest of things and, and control your own destiny. But against Michigan State, this is a team that, that needs to win. Um, it, it does look like Drew Aller is going to play, which is a good thing for Penn State. Um, and just getting that, just getting back into that rhythm. The beauty of this is now you've got that extended practice time. And I think that's really what matters about the bowl game. Yeah, the destination is great. You get to go and whatever, Atlanta or Dallas or LA or, or what have you. But the biggest thing is, it gives you those extra weeks of practice, and that's invaluable this time of year. That is the most. That was probably the most important thing as a coach is that extra development time that you wouldn't typically get, and that's why these games still matter. 
it it just doesn't matter what people say. No, and the extra practice time is extra important because Penn State's probably bringing a new offensive coordinator. From what I've been listening to, the messaging from this week, it does not sound as much as we may like Jaywan Sider or Ty Howell going forward. My vote would probably be more on Jaywan Sider to be the lead offensive coordinator versus Ty Howell. But from what it sounds like, it doesn't sound like that those guys are, I don't want to say even getting a shot, but it doesn't sound like they're even getting a shot to become full-time OC. It's from what I said, it's from what I was listening to from James Franklin talking is a lot of outside coach searching. They're trying to find a guy who's been an offensive coordinator before who's had success at a big time program. It sounds like they're hunting that big name, kind of like that Manny Diaz smash hire. So if, if there's a head coach out there, who's about to get canned for lack of performance, I don't know who it would be who has been an offensive coordinator, who is an offensive minded guy who kind of runs a system similar to what Franco wants to run. It would not surprise me if Penn state heavily goes after them. So you get the extra practice time with a guy that you're probably bringing in brand new that no one in the program knows that extra practice time is extra important. Now, what practice have they done this week? It sounds like Drew Aller has been able to practice at least Tuesday after media was there um, or before media was there. He was not out during media availability, I believe, just kind of James Franklin toying with the media. But I do believe he was out Wednesday at practice as well. And what kind of growth does the offense have going into the game on Saturday. I think there was a couple opportunities of improvement from last week's game. There's, I wrote it down. I was going to talk about it on Sunday, but I ended up, we'll talk about it today. There was, they want to run Drew Aller more. They want to get his athleticism involved more. And I don't think that's run him on the QB draw. I don't think that's designed quarterback runs of any manner, but there are a couple of times defenses aren't trust, aren't, aren't scared of him. We talked about that all season long. Defenses are not afraid of Drew Aller to beat them. They've been selling out to stop the run. They've been running a lot of like hard off-tackle runs. The entire offense shifts to the left side of the offense. And the defense is following the ball all the way over to the defensive right side of the ball. So the wide side of the field is open. Mm-hmm. If Tyler Warren or Theo Johnson happens to block and then leak out to the right side, you get Drew Aller on a naked boot, easy conversion against the grain of the defense. That's something that they could add. And hopefully they saw that on film because I saw it was right before he got hurt. I I saw it right before he got hurt. And like, that was the first time all year that like that popped in my head. I was like, they want to use this guy's athleticism because clearly they trust his athleticism. They're Mm -hmm. designing these QB draws for him. That thing was wide the hell open, like wide open. I, I don't have a lot of athleticism as I used to, not that I ever had a lot, but like, that's a naked boot that I that I could safely make and make a pitch and catch. And I'm left-handed rolling to my right. Like, be hard for me to set my feet, but you know what I mean. Like, they can do that kind of right. thing because they love running to the left. That's the strength. That's the strong side of the offensive line. They love running that way. Well, right-handed bootlegging right, it just makes sense. They've not been able to do that, and I think that's maybe something that Franklin was talking about because that's an easy completion. It's oh, one guy, sure. one route, easy read get him in the groove. And I think we'll see what they do this weekend, but hopefully something like that is there. You would hope that it would be um, that the wide side of the field has been wide open. They run to that near side, that short side of the field nearly every time. And that's built because they're, they want to run behind the left side of the offensive line. That's their strong suit. But, you know, looking at Michigan state and what they bring into this, you know, they beat Michigan or I'm sorry, they beat central Michigan, which was assisted by Connor Stallions. 
um, on September 1st. They beat them by 24. Uh, then they whooped up on Richmond. Um, and then Washington beat them. Maryland beat them. Iowa beat them. Rutgers beat them. Michigan has beat them. Minnesota has beat them. Um, they beat Nebraska, and then they got thumped by Ohio State. They were able to beat Indiana, and now, right now, they're at Michigan, or they're they're hosting Penn State. So for Penn State, they just got to stay stay home. I think defensively, they are going to be in great shape. But the biggest thing for them is they've got to be able to keep at it and and, and play their game offensively. And if they're able to do that, then that is exactly what they need to do. Um, keep Aller on schedule, stay ahead of the chains, and and get the tight ends involved. I mean, and and don't be afraid to use a two back set. You know, get those guys out in space. That's that's where I think there's value in this offense, and I think that's necessary. Man, to see like they love going old school with the T formation. To see a nice like split back formation going on, get Katron and Nick on the field at the same time. Oh man, I'd be in heaven. But yes, well, you said it. Let's get off the offense. Let's go to the defense. Penn State defense should have zero problems handling this Michigan State offense. Noah Kim, their starting quarterback, has six touchdowns and six interceptions on the year. They've played 11 games. The, the passing offense in general has 14 total in 11 games. This defense is going to have a chance to smother Michigan State offense, and it could be a performance that equals or is very close to that of the Iowa game. Like The defense should be out ready to do that. And if the offense is doing what they're – if the offense gets in a groove and starts putting up points, it's going to fuel the defense more because they're not going to feel like the offense has been left has left them out to dry. And then you start really putting the time of possession lopsided into Penn State's favor. I believe Rutgers had more time of possession on Saturday than Penn State did. So hopefully the defense – the offense can turn it around to where they have more time of possession um, and really get that thing lopsided. I'm talking like 40 to 20 or something. I mean, Penn State has a chance to really – just absolutely control this game Friday Friday night. And they should. And we'll talk a little bit more about what we expect from the game score-wise or bet-wise and talk a little bit more about things around the country on the third and final segment of the Watching Out podcast after this break. to the third final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and then Indie Sports Network. I'm Jared. He's Kevin. Kevin, let's get into it. What is Where are we at um, bet-wise for us on the season? Uh, we've not had a bet since Maryland, uh, and I won that one. So I believe I'm plus one on the season, uh, but it's been a couple weeks since we've had one. So, And quite frankly, I've been doing this off of memory, and I'm kind of slacking. All right, so this one's for all the marbles. We're just going to tie it up since you're not competent enough to remember. Um, this one. I said I'm plus one. I said I'm plus one. You're doing it out of memory. You haven't written it down. I haven't written it down, but I'm plus one for sure. That's because Mar- we are tied going into Maryland. Because Maryland right. was Maryland the sixth game. It's, let's see what game of the season was Maryland. That was the ninth game. Yeah, ninth game. I'm plus one. We were tied going into Maryland, and I won the bet. Right. Plus one. Well, then the bowl game will be for all the marbles if I don't win this one, or if I do win this one. So what do you want the bet to be for this? Do you want to do score first before we do? Yes, we'll go score. I have them at 41 to nothing. 41 nothing? Whew. Yes. I have 
uh, let's see. Game spread. I did actually have to change the spread spread or over under from last week. Still Penn State minus 20 and a half over under 42 and a half. I do see Penn State giving up six points on defense. Uh, actually, we'll do. Yeah, we'll do six points. 42 to six Penn State. All right. So I think that's the bet. Um, Michigan over three. Uh, Michigan State over three. You win. Michigan under three. I win. I'm cool with that. I was going to do Drew Aller passing yards. Do you want to do two bets? No, because we don't know if Drew Aller is going to play. Okay. We're cool with that. All right. There, there Over you under have. Michigan State points three. It's a, it's a tough bet. I have. I will I will admit I've taken a lot of the tougher ones. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, go. only because I, I took the mega ones. I put mega swings early in the season. That's right. Um, but let's get into it. We got some. We got some Egg Bowl tomorrow, or I'm sorry, on Thursday. Ole Miss and Mississippi State. This is a big one for for Miss Ole Miss. Um, Link Kiffin's got come under fire with a little bit of stuff um, on their campus uh, with some allegations that he's essentially racist and treats white players differently than black players. Um, whether that is going to come to anything meaningful um, remains to be seen. Uh, then you've got Penn State, Michigan State on Friday, TCU at Oklahoma on Friday as well. That game is at noon on Fox. Kudos to Fox for taking that for for big noon on Friday. Um, Penn State, Michigan State will be on NBC on, at seven thirty. Speaking of NBC, Notre Dame re-upped with them. Um, you know, take that for what it's worth. Down the road, as things happen um, throughout. Conference realignment. You got Iowa, Nebraska. Nebraska is a two and a half point um, underdog, and this game. Oh, they're a favorite. They're oh, a favorite. They're two and a half favorite. favorite. That's right. I, I I misread that. And um, Kevin, do you happen to know the spread on that one? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, not the spread. The over under is twenty six and a half. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, man! And this is yeah, for right. Nebraska to get bowl eligible. They've yeah, got five and, wins. And Iowa's on their way to the Big Ten Championship. How mega of a win would that be for Matt Rule at Nebraska? That's that's a momentum-building win. That would be great. If, if In year one, that would be absolutely phenomenal for Matt Rule. You've got Texas-San Antonio against Tulane. Um, How is that only a three-and-a-half-point game? Uh, because Texas uh, – Utah is still eight and three. Yeah, the but if you're the 23-ranked team in the country like they say Tulane is – you better be more than a three and a half point favorite at home against UTSA. Major, and for being in the group of five, um, and you've got Missouri at Arkansas, Texas Tech at Texas, Oregon State at Oregon. That game is very meaningful for a lot of things in Pac-12. That's Friday night, the Civil War. Um, Ohio State, formerly, formerly known as the Civil War, it's not called the Civil War anymore. It's the, it'll always be the Civil War for me. Like the Red River Shootout is the Red River Shootout. Not the Red River rivalry. As much as I love alliteration, I would much prefer it to be a shootout. Um, uh, Louisville against Kentucky. LSU gets our host, Texas A&M. Sands Jimbo. Um, Alabama at Auburn. Arizona yeah, at Arizona Wildcats at Arizona State. Um, BYU is at Oklahoma State. Vanderbilt is at Tennessee. Liberty is, got Texas El Paso. Liberty is undefeated. They're 11-0. They are uh, currently number 25. So Tulane were to lose, that I think would um, set up Liberty as 
potentially playing Penn State in a bowl game. Go figure. Um, that's a Virginia school, Lynchburg. It is a Virginia school. Um, the Apple Apple Cup, Washington State and um in Washington, Florida State and Florida, Notre Dame, Stanford. Um, the band is definitely not going to be on the field in that game. Although the band might put up a better fight in Stanford at this point. Georgia at Georgia Tech, Clemson at South Carolina, Iowa State, Kansas State, North Carolina at NC State. And there you have Just, it for the last week. To show you how bad of a Clemson fan I am, I don't even know what that game's called. I know it has a title, but I don't even know what it's called. But we did miss a game, and I think we need to, we did need to make a prediction on it. The game. The game. The. The. Yes. The game. No, I think that's very fair. Um, we have a couple of weeks until we talk Army-Navy, but – uh, the big thing, you're you're absolutely right, Kevin. The 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 game, it is what has been everybody is talking about. I'm liking Ohio State in that game. Number one, I, I just can't get on board with Michigan right now. Um, the way that they've handled things, um, I I do think it all with all things said, they probably have a. I mean, they, they match up very very well. Um, having seen them, having seen both of these teams play. Um, they are very, I think, very fair. I think very good defenses, very, very good defenses, followed by okay offenses. I don't think J.J. McCarthy has set the world on fire. I don't think the Michigan offense has set the world on fire. But this is a very equally matched game uh, for Saturday. Yep, Michigan a three-point home favorite, which is pretty much the spread you get as a home team by default. 37 degrees at kickoff, allegedly. Um you it's like rooting for the Astros. You you can't root for Michigan. If if you cheat, you cheat. You get caught, you get caught. And I think last week it kind of showed so they were kind of galvanized against Penn State because this is all going on. And you know, Harbaugh was still pleading himself innocent and wasn't accepting it. And then uh the NCAA or the Big Ten pulled the ultimate Una reverse card on him and uh Sat sat Jim Harbaugh down, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll probably take this three game suspension because if you keep going, you might find more than uh, I might not ever coach again." So, um, Michigan was galvanized against Penn State, and then I feel like they were kind of let down against Maryland because Harbaugh kind of admitted responsibility, guilt, whatever you want to call that. Like he actually just accepted his fate, and I think that kind of just led to a little bit of a deflation for Michigan. Wow. Will Michigan be deflated for this game? No, certainly they're going to get up for it, but there's a lot of distractions. They're not going to have the most experienced head coach because Sharon Moore's what it's only his third game or fourth game coaching this, this, you want a lot of experience going into this game. And without that galvanizing factor, that is the, uh, um, the justice for Jim Harbaugh. Um, (laughs) Come the on. martyr, the martyr of Jim Harbaugh, the the everybody pray for him. He's going through a rough time. I thought he Jim died. Harbaugh. I, I thought he died Saturday, that Saturday in Happy Valley, man. I thought he yeah, was dead. I thought, uh, I thought something terrible happened. And I mean, this is also a team that held up the four, you know, after he got hand slapped on the wrist for those, uh, for the for the cheeseburger. 
But also the NCAA hasn't even the NCAA hasn't finished that investigation either because that was a self-imposed ban. <laughs> That's right. Jim he, Harbaugh might not coach until 2025. He's he's getting a lot of money to not coach, and I am envious of him. Him and Jimbo Fisher are probably comparing notes. He's at least there during the week. Jimbo Fisher is just kind of sitting around. Maybe he'll be on the podcast someday. I don't know. But I like I I am not fond of saying this, but they have Ohio State has the coaching advantage here. Ryan Day is significantly better than Sharon Moore. He has no confidence in J.J. McCarthy, it seems. No, they haven't really needed to use his arm. I've got Ohio State by six. I, I think I'm on a similar a similar spread. I think six is a good number for Ohio State to win by. And damn it, I hope they win. Just The world would, be a, the world would be a better place if this happens. Squirrely um, squir- day, day, let's go. Mr. Squirrely Day, let's go. I, I win this game. I don't think there's ever a moment where a conference wishes a team to win unless it's a conference versus a conference. But if there's ever a game where everybody in the world wants another team to win outside of that area, it is 100% this game. Um, It is Ohio State because a loss for Michigan with all the uncertainty surrounding their program ends up alleviating a lot of stress for Bulls, a lot of everything, because this, this is far from over. Um, you know, the newest allegation that I saw was that Connor Steins was um, some a GA for Central Michigan left his left the coach's outfit outside the bushes of Spartan Stadium. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but the way that this is going, who knows? But ultimately, I've got Penn State winning against Michigan State, and I've got Ohio State beating Michigan in, in hopes that chaos doesn't completely engulf that, that aspect of things. Because Michigan, to go to the Big Ten Championship game, and then a a playoff game um, could end up being catastrophically awful for everybody involved. Yes. And we just have to hope, excuse me. I just have to hope that even whoever loses this game, that Florida state also loses to Florida. So that the committee is not even tempted to try to put Florida state in the college football playoff. They finally fell out of number four. You texted me and I responded with a leprechaun dancing because of how happy I am that Florida state is no longer in the top four are finally falling out, but the problem is they're sitting right there at number five. That's and right. And I don't know if Texas or Oregon has enough of a jump to do it because if the committee actually looks at the games, the win over Alabama for Texas, Alabama was a different team. And I don't know if the committee would be ballsy enough to put Alabama in over Texas should Oregon and Texas not make it. There's, there's so much that can happen, and we are going to be here every step of the way. For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. We'll talk to you again later this week. 